ओम ज्ञान according to the modern idea why encourage children in anything which is pratikul pratikul yasya varjanam everything which is opposite to krishna consciousness should not be indulged in so this this modern idea of birthday celebration for sense gratification has absolutely no use in krishna consciousness we read in krishna book a nectar of devotion of uh, on the birthday of krishna that brahmanas are called and they perform some yagya chant some mantras blessing the child and dakshina is distributed to them so that that way we can do it but why imitate the the modern madness of the western world it's become another th- thing and another excuse to s- throw away money and spend money for people who have money so i'm not in favor of that from the beginning if we train the children that we are different we're not the same then they might have a chance of understanding it but if you if you try to make them half devotees and half not devotees then there's less chance of them being devotees it's easier to go with the flow of modern society but what is easy and what is best is rarely the same so we should do that which is best for krishna's service not just easy for for us here's a question from gopaladev we hear that shri laprapad's books contain everything that we need to know uh as far as i remember prabhat said that everything required to become fully krishna conscious is in my books that doesn't mean that everything we need to know in all circumstances is there for instance uh if one is going to preach among college students well actually you could preach is what is exactly in the books but if if you happen to have some knowledge of current issues and modern indian life and science uh, then they'll it's easier to arrest their attention with topics they're interested in and if we present the philosophy of krishna consciousness in those terms it's advantageous to get their interest so there's an example or if we're going to preach against darwinian evolutionary theory then uh if we're going to specialize in that particularly it would make sense to study it in more detail than the basics which are mentioned in prabhupada's books without really being explained there so uh then the question how does this apply to the 11th and 12th kandas that are part of prabhupada's bhagavatam but not directly and translated translated and commented upon by him 
Well, the translations and commentaries of the 11th and 12th cantos, and Allah is not mentioned here, most of the 10th canto, um, was done on Prabhupada's order. And uh, it's mostly, the, the commentaries mostly give purports from the Acharyas. There are also personal commentaries done by Tridayananda Maharaj, mostly, I believe, which are in the line of the uh, philosophical teaching that Srila Prabhupada gave us and the previous Acharyas gave us. So uh, they can be uh, they're considered bona fide translations and commentaries, but they're not given the same importance as Srila, Srila Prabhupada's writings. They're not given, I mean, practically, um, they're, they're more open to editing, for instance, if, there's, if it's seen that there's some linguistic gaffe or something like that. We don't accord them the same canonical status, although, I mean, apart from the fact that they're not directly translated by Prabhupada, um, they, they happen in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the most important uh, Shastra for the Gauriya Vaishnavas. So they should be taken very seriously and not considered that, well, it's not Prabhupada. In, in one sense it is Prabhupada in as much as uh, it was done on his order. And it's the Bhagavatam, which is not to be minimized in any way. Of course, Prabhupada did want more extensive commentaries on the 10th canto. The 11th canto, especially the Uddhava Gita, is, is, is very important for all devotees. Then a question about chanting Raghupati Raghava Raja Ram. Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram. This is, it says, my Kirtanesa, you can, this question from Guru Das, you can refer him to that. Uh, Another question. Prahlad Maharaj mentioned in, mentions in his prayers to Lord Narasimhadev that the Supreme Lord is called Triyugi because he appears in three yugas except Kali Yuga, apart from Kali Yuga. And in Kali Yuga he appears as Channa Avatar. What is the reason that the Supreme Lord does not reveal his identity as the Supreme Personality of Godhead in Kali Yuga? Can someone shed some light on this with proper praman? Uh, I don't know of a praman. It's pro- probably the uh, Goswamis or, or the previous Acharyas have discussed this in their writings. Anyone aware of that? It's not that difficult to give an answer. But in general, people in Kali Yuga, they're not fit for receiving an avatar of the Lord. It requires pious people. Paritranaya sadhunam. The Lord comes to deliver the sadhus. Where are the sadhus in Kali Yuga? In general, it's all the people of very low consciousness get human birth in this Kali Yuga. So that's generally why it's understandable why the Supreme Lord does not come or he channa avatar. That means remains covered, unseen. 
which may mean that he doesn't come, or when he does come, he's not, he doesn't present himself as an avatar. In the case of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, once in a day of Brahma, which means 999 other times, there is no avatar. Well, there's a yuga avatar in Kali Yuga, every, in every Kali Yuga. Uh, this asking, the question is, here's a question about putting 13 tilaks. Actually, it's called Dwadasha tilak. So, and there's just a little extra put on the forehead. The question to make a long male short is, should women put it on also? Well, as far as I've always seen in Bengal, Vrindavan, all over the world, <laughs> women place tilaks on I mean, you don't get to see all the places, but the arms and the stomach and all this. So. Yes, women put tilak. Apply gopi chandan or whatever for putting tilak. Okay, that's all the questions I have now for the time being. Any other questions, comments? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the birthday celebration. Yeah, instead of getting something for your own such gratification, you serve the Brahmanas and Vaishnavas. If they do that, yeah. So many times people tell me it's my birthday or it's my daughter's birthday or whatever, as if it's something so significant. I actually forgot all about it until all this Vyasa Puja thing started. It would be quite often some days after my birthday and I realized I had a birthday even. Because it's just, you know, what's, what's the meaning? It's in and temples around the world which are associated with them, they have uh, approach that it's good to celebrate even devotees' uh, birthdays as an opportunity to make festivals and, you know, to have a... You celebrate devotees' birthdays to make festivals. To make festivals, you know, just devotees gather together and, you know, it's always like it's always someone's birthday, always a chance to make a festival. Well, we don't have to center it on the devotee, we could center it on Krishna. We have so many festivals that we don't celebrate, like Jayananda's Disappearance Day, Narotandas, we usually don't do anything. We'd have all day Narotam songs. Like in Kabbalah, they have every, you know, whenever. Yeah, if you do that in a big town, then it'll be every day someone's birthday. This I mean, I. At least for myself, like I say, now I've got this whole Vyasa Puja thing going on, but the, the whole idea should be to divert our attention to Krishna and the Acharyas and why toward ourselves. Actually, in recent times, there are no such things. 
my father told me that they never, you know, nobody. I think this whole birthday thing was invented like Father's Day, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was there, but they they promoted it for commercial purposes. That's all. Just another reason to get people to spend money. Spend money. That's all. Why should we go along? Why do? Why don't we? In answering this kind of question, should we celebrate birthdays? I would say, why don't we look at our tradition and just get back to our tradition? And why mix up with all this nasty Western Malaysia culture? Why do that at all? I know in Bangladesh, so many times I used to ask, sometimes ask people like, "How old are you?" And they said, "Well, you know, about thirty-one, something, about thirty, something." And they don't. People didn't. Many people, they, you know, nowadays everyone goes to an astrologer, but it seems that was only in the higher caste. People are expected to do something significant, whereas most people, they didn't, they didn't, they don't even know their age, the day of birth, anything like that. Wasn't considered very significant. Yeah. So how are you going to celebrate a birthday? And nowadays they have this. All everyone has to have a birth certificate and all this kind of thing. It's all. Really Right in your village, probably and many people they, they don't know their age. Yeah. yeah, they just they just made it up. Yeah. Mostly when they join school, they just okay. now it should be five years old. So five years back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's called yeah, yeah. They, they don't have any idea. I see. Yeah. <laughs> now, everyone, you should know because you're in the medical profession. Everyone has. Every kid born in India now gets. They all get registered. Huh? Unnecessary, actually. But it's all this bureaucracy and all this stuff. And they have to get registered for a vote and all this kind of thing. Hmm. Unnecessary. Like they make the life so much complex with all these things. You don't exist, yeah. You don't officially exist. Seems that the glorification of Prabhupada is decreasing. Well, you're a Tamil president, or whatever you know, whatever your designation may be. You can create that atmosphere. 
in your own field. I mean, Tamil presidents within ISKCON, Tamil presidents are very influential. Within their own sphere of influence, they, they can be very influential. There's, you know, there's a lot of talk about Guru's power and all of this, but presidents, especially in India, they have a lot of power and money. So much money comes into their hands. So they can be very influential also. So you can use that for a good purpose or or not. So you can promote that. In many temples they have readings from Prabhupada Lilamrita once a week, but it's often very formal. You have to think the best way to glorify Prabhupada. I remember once Hari Kesh Maharaj in, in his good days where there were many good things about him. There's all this talk about putting Prabhupada in the center. And he said, well, you can put Prabhupada's Vyasasana in the center of the temple room, but that won't make much difference. You have to follow his order. And he said that in our zone we put Prabhupada in the center by emphasizing his book distribution. So that's one way of doing it. And in course of time, we'll, we'll, we will see that as generation after generation goes on. They'll be reading Prabhupada's books. And they'll, they, they, in course of time, that, that may become clearer that there are so many gurus, but Prabhupada is in a separate category. That for however much you may advertise someone as being, you know, the greatest and more of a premi bhakta than Prabhupada and more merciful than Prabhupada and all this is just a bunch of bunk actually and uh, it'll become more clear naturally I do among my disciples by uh, promoting that they should read Prabhupada's books by uh, promoting the standards that Prabhupada set and by encouraging the distribution of Prabhupada's books. So that's what I try to do. This, the, the whole concept and understanding, uh, as I see, should be, should be more deep, but that also within our society though should be more deep and substantial but that also you can't you can't promote any rules you can't make any law to make people serious in Krishna consciousness and it's also maybe inevitable because our movement has gone from being a uh, an ashram based movement as it was when Srila Prabhupada was present to a largely congregational movement that we are, we are going to see, or we already are seeing people taking up Krishna consciousness at a much uh, lower level of commitment than when Prabhupada was personally present. I mean, people may be committed, may or may not be commi- committed at a higher level if they're not living in an ashram, they're living at home. But practically the level of active service is much lower than those who are not living in an ashram because they have to spend most of their life performing activities uh, which are not directly uh, meant for Krishna's service. 
So, I, some level of superficiality. Actually, there's no need for superficiality ever. Even if you are living outside, you don't have to be. Superficiality is just bogus. But uh, yeah, the, the, we can't ex- we can't expect overall a, a very high level of commitment from people whose uh, very way of life militates against that. Again, it's why Prabhupada wanted farms. I mean, Prabhupada did speak about congregational preaching, but he did emphasize a lot more on having our own communities. So we haven't really gone the way that Prabhupada envisaged it. It's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or we should stop that, the congregational development, but Prabhupada's vision was more extreme, more drastic, the farm. Yeah, then? Yeah. I just, I just as we said, we are able to understand devotees spend most of their time speaking about their own gurus. Is it? Most most devotees, they, they talk more about their own gurus than Prabhupada? Is it? Well, in one sense, if I mean, if you discuss the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, in that sense, you're probably... Uh, indirectly praising Prabhupada because we got that all from him, isn't it? But as I see it within ISKCON today, it's again maybe more widespread in India, maybe, than in other places. You can maybe say, as you have extensive. I mean, ongoing experience in Croatia. You go out there every year for a couple of months, which is only one place, but uh, maybe more in India there's this what we call hype, where you, hype means you pump, you pump something up and make it look bigger than it actually is by, by advertisement. Just like, for instance, an example I often give, Coca-Cola is a pretty useless product, but it's popular by advertisement. If there was an advertisement, no one would take it. No one would no one would buy it. Without advertisement, why would you buy it? What value is in there in it? Even the taste, as far as I can remember, is really nothing very special. So but by advertisement it's it becomes popular. So in the same way from what I can see, uh to at least some extent, I know, the adulation for gurus within ISKCON comes by advertisement. It's like it is over, overvalued or something. Although on one hand you can say that, well, a devotee, you can't praise a devotee too much. But there is such a thing as just like when you meet someone, that this it's a common word you'll find in uh, that when you meet someone, you offer them respects or greetings. Uh, 
Well, there are different words. One is yatavidhi, according to the proper rules. Another one is yatochit, according to the what's proper according to their level. So, if there's a neophyte devotee and you praise him, sometimes we see that. There's a neophyte devotee and they pass away and then they praise him like he was a Mahabhagavat or something. But why? Why should you do that? It's just by imagination you can't convert a, a neophyte into a Mahabhagavat. So in the same way, praise, yeah? Praise of Vaishnava should be there, but there should be gradation also. It's not that we're just a neophyte devotee. We should praise as if he's a Mahabhagavat and no. Srila Prabhupada just neglect him. Ramanuja, yeah, he was about what, a thousand years back, eight hundred thousand. They have very strong feeling for him, yeah. Yeah, well, that, again, that will come now. I, I don't think that we should counter hype with more hype and try and hype up Prabhupada. But rather by going deeply into his teachings and te- promoting them, it, it, then if people can actually appreciate Prabhupada for what he is, that will be the best praise. I mean, if, if there's one person who's actually studied Prabhupada's books very deeply and appreciates him on that level, that's better than having... Like these politicians, they hire people for like, I don't know, 50 rupees a day and bring them in to cheer them. So we don't need that kind of praise for Prabhupada. You know, the same group, they'll one day they'll be cheering one politician, the next day they'll be cheering his opponent because they're just paid to, to cheer others, so... One difficulty in spreading Prabhupada's glories all over the world is that they won't appreciate Prabhupada unless they take advantage of his gifts. People appreciate this Ananda, that Ananda, but they don't appreciate Prabhupada so much because they can't appreciate what a good thing he's given, which requires commitment to follow his teachings. Otherwise you can't appreciate. But the time should come. We're praying for that. When people appreciate what what are these books that Prabhupada has given. We should distribute Gita, Bhagavatam, all these books. The time should come when people appreciate that these books are they're not anything like any other person's books. On a train once I was going from uh, Sri Rangam to Chennai. And the person sitting next to me showed some translation of the Upanishads. And just useless. Completely, no spiritual strength or no realization, nothing. Prabhupada's books are very powerful because they're the truth. The truth is very powerful. It impacts to this. It gets right through to the soul. So 
So the truth is powerful. But what's going on now, there, there's some material, some material power is used to promote something as truth. Just like, you know, like Coca-Cola, they put, you know, millions of dollars. And so by that power of millions of dollars, they promote it and people believe that Coca-Cola is something good. But it's not. There's no, there's nothing there. So, the truth is powerful, but what is considered the truth is because it has powerful backing. But the real truth is, has its own power, or Krishna. He has his own power. Yeah. This, uh, I would say this Jai Guru, Bhai Guru, Hai. What's that? Jai Guru? Mai Guru, Bhai Guru. Jai Guru, Bhai Guru. That means that, yeah. The one who you, you praise and then you drop. The West, what is the difference between West and India? Because there's many, many more fallout, fallouts of gurus. So it's kind of like a chill, like a cold shower, you know. The devotees are much more cautious in the West because they're aware of so many guru programs. Yes, and then, and then this is in one way also that fueled the, the hippism because Prabhupada, you know, they say Prabhupada never fell down and he never fell down. So yeah, but the qualification of a guru is more than something someone who doesn't fall down. Yes. <laughs> it's like whenever an Iskon guru passes away, it's like this. the GBC breathes a sigh of relief. <laughs> he made it through his life without any known scandal. Okay, Hare Krishna. Yeah, you have a question. Someone changes Sampradaya. So? How do you take it? Well, everyone has their independence. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, with all due respect, where's the spiritual life? And in just just studying some shastra. It's excuse. The fellow I spoke with him, and he was saying that you know you have to follow Varnashram. What Varnashram did he ever follow? <laughs> what Varnashram did he? You know, Emphasizing this Varnashram by birth. It's meaningless. So I say, how can you do it? There's no king. How can you have Varnashram without a king? He said, well, you do it as best you can. It's meaningless. Yeah. Excuse to avoid 16 rounds, well, in this particular case, we saw from the beginning he had some kind of attraction to that. But very, you know, no, no willingness to take any guidance ever. But it's also superficial attraction. I also. I also think, yeah. I also think it's superficial. Yeah. He's not really on the platform of the atma. Anyway, we'll see.
Red big what? Red big temples, they're doing nicely? I don't know, external, I mean if you measure in terms of money and buildings. Hmm? Yeah, Sai Baba is doing better, yeah. Is it? They don't distribute more books. Hmm? Yeah, but then they just send them out to collect money for Akshaya Patra, so what's the value? Ah, oh, Prabhupada blesses them, yeah. Prabhupada, he said, like about my one god-brother, he said, he blessed him with the, with the properties, but he blessed me with the power to preach Krishna consciousness all over the world. So they can join that Ridvik temple, but they, they just, you know, they, from the beginning, they're just uh, trained in some offensiveness, isn't it? So, what's the value of that? Thinking that Prabhupada was impotent to create, you know, some uh, pure devotees, you know, some disciples who were working on it. It seems pretty clear from Bangalore that they're very, you know, money is the main thing for the for the for the man on the hill, there, the fool on the hill. Of course, that's that's for most of our movement. The money comes first. Within most of our movement, it's seen in money and properties and buildings is considered the success. If you can do that, you're successful. Camps, hospitals, schools. Yeah, they get a lot of money. Actually, nowadays maybe money money not Anyway. Hare Krishna. Sri Krishna Bhagavan If we can we can best serve Prabhupada by ourselves being very serious to be Krishna conscious, not developing attachment for this material world or attachment to power and position in the name of being Krishna conscious. That's power and position may be there, just like in I, I'm a sannyasi and guru in Iskon, so I have some power and position, but we shouldn't be attached to that. Always remember, smaran nityam anityatvam, we're not here for very long. What is this power and position? It's com- just completely meaningless. <laughs>